0: what's up everyone john here the ninth annual people's podcast awards nominations are now open please head over to Podcastawards.com and nominate smart people podcast for best education podcast all you have to do is include our podcast name and website address fill in your information and submit it only takes a minute and we'd love you forever thanks guys you rock
2: This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. We've said it before and we'll say it again. If you want to easily create an amazing website, you've got to use Squarespace, the website platform that can simply do it all.
0: You want drag and drop features? They've got it. Integrated SEO? Yep, got that too. You don't know what SEO is? Don't worry, they take care of it for you. I know what you're thinking. There's no way they have responsive design. Wrong. They have that, and they'll make sure that your site looks beautiful on any device.
2: Not everyone is a web wizard like my co-host over here, but no need to worry. Squarespace levels the playing field so that anyone can have their own amazing website. The best part is, it's only 8 bucks a month, and that includes a domain name if you sign up for one year.
0: Head on over to Squarespace.com and use our offer code SMART10 to get 10% off your purchase while also supporting the show. Hey everybody, welcome to Smart People Podcast. I am Chris Stemp. And I'm John Rojas. If you are
2: joining us for the first time today, thanks for checking us out. Be sure to head to smartpeoplepodcast.com. We've got a lot of awesome episodes in the tank that you can check out. If you've listened for a while, yeah, we love you guys. Thanks for supporting the show, doing everything you do, using the Amazon banner, leaving reviews, connecting with us. We just really appreciate it, and for everyone, you are in for
0: a treat today. Why is that, John? I don't even know where to start. This guy is kind of one of my internet heroes, which is weird. It is. Because he's born after me, so he's younger than me. Well, that just means we're old now. It does. Dude, It's that's so weird. But, it's
2: like when you look at LeBron James.
0: Yeah. Have you guys ever heard of a site called Reddit? Does that ring any bells? I feel like that's a ridiculous question. I also think it's a ridiculous question, but we are talking to the co-founder of Reddit.
2: Alexis Ohanian. He's the man. I've actually had a chance to see him
0: speak in person.
2: And uh, aside from the fact creating one of the most popular websites ever, he's just a really well-spoken guy. He's smart. I mean, you can just tell he's a smart guy. He has some great things to say about the internet, technology, entrepreneurship, and we cover that in our episode this week. So as John mentioned, Alexis Ohanian, co-founder of Reddit, also launched Hipmunk and Breadpig. I think there's some other stuff that uh, you you check out
0: that he does, right, Roach? Yeah, he does a show on The Verge called Small Empires, which is really cool. It's kind of like, I don't know, It's it's he goes into startup firms and interviews the founders and they walk around the spaces and they just talk about the trials and tribulations that they went through and the, their successes. It's a really cool show on The Verge. So if you're into entrepreneurialism or being awesome
2: and he just came out with a new book, if you like this interview, you will love the book because it's just a more thought out, longer version in word form. So his book is Without Their Permission, How the 21st Century Will Be Made, Not Managed. We're going to let you dive in. Great guest. We were just thrilled to have him on, Alexis Ohanian. See if you can hear me geek out. Alexis, thank you so much for being on the show. As Everyone I'm sure knows you are the co-founder of Reddit.com, which is one of the most popular websites ever in the history of the world. (laughs) What does that feel like? What does that feel like to be like, the internet is the biggest thing ever and I am the king of it?
1: You know, uh, (laughs) uh, one of the reasons I love living in New York so much is whenever I get on the subway, I know that in that subway car, not a single person gives it down, uh, like does not it, no one cares um you know i i there there are certainly moments when i have to uh you know whether it's at meetups just when i encounter people who, who use reddit and enjoy reddit uh, who are obviously very very grateful for what it's done for them in their lives that i really reflect on it and think about it for for a minute or so but i'm not i don't know i still uh it, 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 the whole thing still feels really surreal and i mean steve and i started it back in 2005 so at this point it's been uh, oh, mental math! Eight years, and uh, and it's still a little, it's still a little surreal,
2: a little crazy. Uh, yeah. Well, so I feel like we have you on the show. We're so excited, and I know you cover it <sighs> in your your new book without their permission. But I was hoping to get straight from the co-founder's mouth the yeah. you know a description of what Reddit is because I don't use it that much. John is like he lives the, he lives on it. So prior to the show, he's given me a little two point oh. And of course, the first thing he says is, it's the front page of the internet, like a smartass. And I was like, okay. You know, so I was just hoping you could explain. I'm sure everybody knows what it is, but in your words.
1: Well, you know, John is clearly the one of you who does not get any work done. uh, (laughs) That's right. Also Uh, true. Sorry to to blow up your spot like that, man. (laughs) So Uh, true. you, You know, I mean, this is, it's a site now that has about 70 million unique visitors a month, but it's still like i said it's still growing we still have so much more room to grow um, but it is this it is a online platform for communities to share links and have discussions and it started out as you know this one front page uh, that steve and i launched from a little apartment in medford massachusetts and today we have users from i think over 140 countries and thousands of active subreddits that really run the gamut so it's you know we have communities of crafters We have communities of foodies. We have communities of New Yorkers. We have communities of NFL fans. uh, We have communities of politics fans, all that stuff. And, um, you know, they're sharing links. They're voting on them. uh, And the best ones sort of bubble up and and they're having discussions. And likewise, the the best comments also get voted up.
2: And I think that upvote thing, at least from, I mean, obviously I've been on there and what John was telling me, I think that is one of the most unique features. Is that, would you consider that to be true?
1: I, I, certainly, I certainly know that there aren't, too many, there aren't too many peers right now. You know, when we launched, there were a number of sites that were kind of in the social news world. I'm putting, putting air quotes around this. And, and we were really lucky because Steve and I got started on it in June of 2005, and we launched pretty much within a month. And during that month, we were totally head down and absorbed in solving this problem. And so all we knew was people were going to submit links and there was going to be some mechanism to vote on their sort of popularity. We, we thought initially we would just do it via clicks. We wouldn't even look at votes, but we knew we needed an explicit way to grade something. And then we, we argued. I really wanted five stars, like on iTunes. And Steve was like, that is stupid. It should be simpler. And he was right. Uh, (laughs) And and we eventually got to, and you can see actually the iterations. I took screenshots of these all along the way. I was designing different types of arrows. And originally it just said interesting or boring. It was just text. And people would click interesting. And then eventually I simplified it to just upvote and downvote. Yeah. And, uh, and, and like I said, we weren't the only ones in the world. Um, you know, Dig actually was our chief competitor for a number of years there, launched before us. And I think one of the assets we had was our ignorance. We, we didn't know for the month that we were working on it. We literally had no idea they existed. And, and that really helped us because we built a site that we thought would work a certain way based on our own real instincts and not simply replicating a competitor. And if you look at all the clones of Dig that followed and have since faded away, I think that was their chief flaw.
0: I was going to ask because Dig was out at the same time. And I think Kevin Rose at, this, at, at that point, I mean, he started really becoming, you know, like the, the poster boy internet celebrity yes. at that point. So, I mean, did you guys really just go into this and be like, you know what? We just found out about this. This is here. We don't care. We're gonna we're gonna do this. I mean, did you have plans for it to become something as big as Dig? Or are you just like, no, this is useful to me and Steve, and we're gonna use this because we like it.
1: We, I mean, we, you know, we were in the very first round of Y Combinator, uh, which today is this world famous seed stage accelerator that's you right. know, invests small amounts of money in a couple of founders, and it, it's gone on to not only fund Reddit but also even bigger successes like Airbnb and Dropbox. These are billion dollar companies, and um. Back then, you know, we had just graduated from college. Steve and I had simply endeavored to try to keep our college existence going as long as we could, and you know, be able to work on fun projects, eat pizza, hang out in our underwear until three in the morning playing video games, and and also hopefully you know build a business. And at the time, you know, we just wanted to create something where people could go to find out what was new and interesting online. And it, it was amazing when we did learn about Dig, and I, I, I dug up the email for my book. I found the original email that I sent to Steve as well as to Paul, who was our chief investor and the guy who started Y Combinator. Uh, and all it said in the subject line was meet the enemy. And then the body just said www.dig.com. And, you know, they, they were they were already funded. They were, Kevin was a celebrity on uh, television at the time, um, a show called, uh, I was on Tech TV. Screensavers, uh, right? Screensavers, yeah. And he, he actually debuted Dig on his show. Uh, oh, he didn't wow. actually, you can see the YouTube clip, he didn't mention that he had started the website he was <laughs> promoting, but he, he debuted there and, and obviously had a big following that came over and there was a good six months ahead of us uh, and they raised funding and all this other stuff. And, you know, we came to Paul after I sent that email and, and realized, Oh, well, geez. All right. So we have a competitor. They're well funded. They have a celebrity founder. It's the tech celebrity founder. And, um, we, we, <laughs> they've got a you know, the six month head start. What do we do? And Paul gave some really good, good advice then that I still remind myself of and dispense often, which is, don't care about your competitors. You know, be aware of them, but don't care. Because the instant you start caring is the instant you start copying, you you stop actually innovating because you're worrying so much about them. And, and he said, we, we never see competition actually defeat us. Um, it's, it's always startups that end up defeating themselves. It's, it's very rare that an incumbent especially uh, is the one that wins the day. And, you know, sure enough, he was absolutely right uh, because, you know, five years later, Dig was gone essentially. Uh, and, and all of those deep clones were also gone and, and Reddit was the only one left standing. So Paul's a, Paul was right on the money with that one.
2: Well, and you know, what's really interesting is, so as you said, not looking at your competitors too much and not letting the competition kind of defeat you. But what I know a lot of people think about, because I think about it daily, I'm, I love coming up with ideas. I come up with an idea. I go to the internet, I see it's already there <laughs> and I get just, I'm just pissed and I'm defeated and I'm not creative, and I'm not unique. Please tell me that happened to you Dude, at some all point. all the time.
1: Are you kidding me? All the time. If, if nothing else, I you know now with with Reddit, Hitmonk, and Breadpig under my belt, like there there I I have yet I think I have yet to have a truly original idea, hmm. and I am so convinced. <laughs> No, I'm serious. I mean, yes, I have I have done, you know, you know, Steve and I, we, we may have made original like remixes of other ideas, but like at the end of the day, this is all derivative. And yes, there is something there is something very intellectually lazy and probably dumb about straight up copying an idea. But chances are if you have an independent idea, just because you see that there are other people going after it in a market doesn't mean that it's not worth pursuing. I mean, I mean, if, assuming you have some kind of novel approach or you have an understanding for how you can actually be demonstrably better, um, go after it. It just all it means is that you're probably onto something. Now, like if your if your idea is to help make an app that helps people share cat photos better, um, you're going to have a lot of competition <laughs> for that. <laughs> and there 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 may already be quite a few apps. And it may be a little niche. But as a cat owner who loves sharing photos of my cat, I, I might want to see it. But we, we far too often get so married to our ideas uh, and then and then get so defeated if, if we see that there's competition or, or we're so timid about sharing it with people because we're worried someone's going to steal our idea. Like, no, look, if you have a great idea and you launch it, a bunch of people are probably going to steal it because it's a good idea. They're going to try to compete with you because you're onto something. And that's that's the position you want to be in um, and, and simply be the one to out-execute. Because ideas are worthless. Everyone has great ideas. Everyone does. But so few people actually do them. So few people actually execute them. And then even fewer do it well. And, uh, and that's where you want to live.
0: That's awesome. And I just have a, a couple quick random questions about Reddit. Sure. What have been the biggest things that have surprised you or just completely shocked you that have become successful or you've seen go through you know all the stages that were either helped by the community of Reddit or spawned off of Reddit, something along those lines.
1: Ooh, um, man! The thing that I am so excited by is that, and this is this is less this is less impressive. This, this is less a uh, sort of praise for Reddit than it is for like humanity. One of the things that the social web and, and particularly Reddit has helped emerge. Or help really shine a spotlight on is that random people on the internet can actually be tremendously awesome to other random people, and 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 you know some of the some of my favorite stories on Reddit are the money bombs like the you know that, the half a million dollars raised for donors choose to get Stephen Colbert's attention like this was three or four years ago, <laughs> um, or even the the sort of smaller even more I think meaningful campaigns where. You know, a photo that gets submitted to our funny, which is a, a subreddit, as you can imagine, for funny things, usually photos that simply says, um, I think it was it, it was a window of a hospital that said send pizza or something to that effect um, out to the parking lot. And some random person took a photo of it, posted it. It hit number one on the funny subreddit. And then a number of other people in the comments deduced that it was L.A. Children's Hospital. Yep. And then a number of other people got the phone number of the children's hospital and figured out that it was the kids oncology ward. And then a number of other people decided to start sending pizza to these children who were dealing with chemotherapy. And, you know, the whole story got completed within 48 hours because the mother of one of those kids posted on her blog and said, thank you so much. This was incredible with photos of these kids going through uh, sort of an unimaginable terror. And look at this surprise people, you know, <laughs> from all over the world are sending them pizza just because they saw a cute thing in the window. Like, that's and again i you know reddit twitter all these social social media platforms they get credit for making these ideas or helping these ideas spread faster and further than ever before but the core i mean the praise is is and the sort of responsibility there is on humans and it's the fact that like kids that exact same age going through that same predicament 15 years ago would have done the exact same thing and maybe one person who went through that parking lot would have stopped would have asked would have maybe sent that pizza and, and it would have been a wonderful, kind act that a few people would have appreciated, right? Those few kids and those whatever, those, those parents. So it would have had a, some kind of an impact, but it would have still happened. What happens today is now, you know, that idea that can spread so much further and so many more people can interact and can help. And furthermore, and even more importantly, I think so many other people can just watch it, can see that it's happening. And and I really, I really do believe that, we have had so many forces – I feel that there historically have been so many forces at work to try to convince us that we should be fearful of people, that we should – that sort of prey on our insecurities and our fears and our concerns. And if the internet and if platforms like Reddit and the rest of social media can do anything positive, it's that we start realizing, hold on a second, there are actually a lot of decent people who are willing to do decent things for other decent people and uh, and, and hopefully hopefully, work towards adjusting our broader worldview. Uh, and it's like, I mean, that was a what is it, $15, maybe $10 pizza, uh, but the impact that had on a lot of people uh, is greater than it ever could have been. And, and that's pretty great.
0: Yeah. And I read somewhere that the children's hospital actually had to put out like a press release saying, okay, you know, stop. we've got, we've got more pizza than we can <laughs> pass out to the kids here. Yeah. So go ahead and stop. And it's, I find it funny that you bring up that, you know, that fear comment because, I participated in random acts of Christmas last year. I stumbled across it. I loved it. It was awesome. And there was a couple stories of people that were found out to, you know, have scammed these nice people within this subreddit. So for like a week, people would come in randomly outside of this subreddit and be like, oh, everybody's trolling and trying to spam and and get free stuff. And the people within it were like, no, listen, this is human nature. There's a lot of really good people and there's a handful of people that take advantage of good people, but we're not going to stop. And I just, I think the community feel of these subreddits is beyond amazing. It's really cool.
1: Yeah. And I hope, I hope it can continue. And, and, and it is, it is reflective again, like I said, of people, you know, in every community in real life, or I shouldn't say in real life, offline as well as (laughs) online. Yeah. There, there are going to be some free riders. There are going to be some people cheating the system, but sure. Of course, those are the stories we hear about. You don't hear about all the people who live quiet, decent, good lives because they don't get headlines. And and now all of a sudden they do. They can. And, and I think that's pretty great.
2: I want to talk about how you basically created Reddit in your dorm room. And, <laughs> and I mean, uh,
1: yeah, yeah, essentially.
2: you know, I mean, you're like the poster child for that. Everybody, every kid in college, I don't care what they say. They would like to do that, right? Oh, I'm going to start a web website and I'm going to be rich. I'm going to sell it in a year. I'm going to be rich. And you did it. So tell us the not so glorious part. There has to be a bit. Like the the tough part, the, the hardest thing you went through, the challenge, the biggest challenge. I mean we could talk about this for days. But you know, for time's sake, I'm trying to narrow down the question to the big one.
1: Oh, man. There have been – and I, I remind this – I, I remind people of this all the time, certainly when I'm doing public speaking, uh, because what you end up seeing, you know, the kind of people you guys interview have had some amount of success in their lives, and you always end up seeing, you know, in any interview, you end up seeing the final product. You end up seeing, or not, I said the final product. You, you get to see, you get to see a person who's gone through years upon years of failures, uh, and, and that part's never ever communicated, um, but it happens. It absolutely happens. No one. I still don't feel like I know what I'm doing, and when we got started, we certainly didn't know. What And when you're fresh out of college or even while you're in school, you have this this amazing superpower, which is you hopefully don't have a ton of responsibility. You don't have a lot of people who are dependent on you. You actually have this freedom. And as Bob Dylan said, you know, you ain't got nothing. You got nothing to lose. And so, you know, there were many days when Steve and I would wake up, look at each other and, and wonder, like, are we wasting our time? Uh, You know, the first few months of Reddit, Steve actually, he literally slept with his laptop. He was spooning his laptop. Wow. uh, Because the servers would go down so often and he would get these like night tremors where he would just kind of wake up and check that the site was still up. (laughs) Uh, And sometimes actually, sure enough, the site was down. But, you know, when you're, for for all of those years, we had been working on projects that were in, in the classroom. And now all of a sudden we were doing something that a bunch of people all over the world, you know, at the time it was probably only a few thousand. But then a bunch of people we didn't know were using and were, you know, were pissed off when it wasn't working. Um, it was definitely diving in. And, and some days you felt awful because you'd get that feedback email from someone who was just like, this thing that you care so much about sucks. It is awful. You guys are idiots. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you get this stuff. Yeah. And, and especially when you come from a generation of kids who got participation trophies from everything, <laughs> uh, it, is a, it is a dose of reality. And and the sooner – and this is why – so we're doing a 100-stop book tour. Because I'm crazy. I was just going to say, and I want to tell college students this. I want to go to every one of these campuses and indoctrinate them with this idea of embracing the failure, especially while they're still in school, because it's the best time to be creating and learning.
2: Yeah, it's funny because obviously, with just the podcast, not nearly the size of Reddit or anything, but we get good comments, but we get bad ones. And you have to realize A, sometimes they're really trying to be constructive. And B, John and I always say, you know, it's easier to tear down than to build something. So, so true. Yeah. So,
1: so true. And the haters, haters going to hate, man. Haters going to hate. If you don't have some haters, you're probably not doing something right. You're probably not doing something meaningful enough yet to have sort of earned – if that's a masochistic way to look at it, <laughs> so be it. But like there is something to that. And, and I'll tell you the, uh, the, the motivation trick that I very early on adopted – was, and I still actually do this, uh, <laughs> I kept a wall of negative reinforcement <laughs> where I would print out some of the most vitriolic and hateful feedback emails, and I'd put them on the wall. And, and I still remember when we launched Reddit, Like we'd get comments from people, this is the first company to come out of Y Combinator, and so a lot of people were kind of looking to see what would happen, and and, and like people just, just really hating on us, telling us that it was totally unoriginal, totally terrible, just we were idiots. And I'd print them out and, and use them as motivation um, because it was so helpful, frankly. It was so helpful to have that as a motivation source. And I would thank all of those people. I will thank all of those people right now if you have ever hated that, <laughs> that I have done. Um, thank you. Because it is incredibly motivating. Uh, and it is an incredibly empowering to have something that you are proud of and that you've put a lot of work into. And to know that there are even people out there who are willing to hate on it that much uh, means you are doing something. And then with every little bit of success you get, every new subscriber you have to your podcast, every new reader you have on your blog, every new user on your website, it feels like a small little victory. Uh, and, and it's just it, it is helpful even when you achieve a certain amount of success to remember that you still have a long ways to go and that you still you are obviously not infallible. Uh, and that, you know, you're obviously never going to please everyone, but, uh, they're always going to be haters, man. And, uh, so I throw them up on the wall and and use them as motivation.
0: Now, I know I'm going to, I'm jumping around here a little bit, but how did you get in touch with Y Combinator? Because, you know, you're at UVA. And at the same time, Chris and I are just down the street at at JMU, and we certainly didn't, you know, know how to get in touch with any of these people or those type of things. How did you get involved with Y Combinator? How did that all evolve? I mean, he was involved in it because he went to UVA. Okay,
2: that's <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I was going to say
1: go Dukes. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, no, no, no. That is no, that is sadly not. Bad. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, actually, I'll tell you. I think being from Virginia, or at least going to school in Virginia, had did help us uh, because we lucked out. Um, Steve's then girlfriend uh, had seen randomly that Paul Graham was giving this talk up at Harvard during our senior year spring break. And you know she told him, Steve was a huge fan of Paul's. Um, he was sort of a, a scholar about this particular programming language Steve loved called LISP. He read and had a, a couple of his books. And really respected him. He'd written a bunch of essays about startups and technology. And he emailed me this one day and and was like, hey, it's during our spring break. Like, do you mind going up to Boston instead of, like, to a beach? And I was like, of course. Like, I hate beaches. You can't use your laptop there. There's too much glare. Like, it's not fun. (laughs) See, that's the big
0: difference right there. We were... (laughs) Traveling to like Bahamas I was or say, Mexico. Yeah, that's, Kids that's
2: listen it up. Was. If you wanna if you want to start a company, go listen to somebody speak at Harvard. If you yeah. wanna start a podcast, go to Puerto Vallarta. <laughs>
1: okay. Although although I must say JMU uh, knows how to throw down, it was just a few years ago <laughs> yeah. you guys had to bring in uh, was it riot police? Yeah, oh, yeah
0: the tear that's gas funny. and rubber bullets. Rubber bullets. Yep.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, so while you know, instead of tear gas and rubber bullets, we were on a train uh, in a room full of other nerds who were hearing this guy talk about this. It was, his essay was called how to start a startup. And afterward, Steve rushed up to him and got an autograph in one of his books. And then I followed and I said, Dr. Graham, because back then he wasn't was Dr. Graham. Um, we, you know, it would totally be worth the cost of buying you a drink to pitch you on our startup. Uh, we came all the way up from Virginia and he interrupted, me. he interrupted me. He was like, "You guys came all the way from Virginia? Like, I don't know if he just didn't think we had trains or
0: planes
2: <laughs> or what."
1: But he was amazed, and uh, and he was like, "You know what? Sure, let's go get let's get some let's get some coffee afterward." And we we pitched him on our startup idea, uh, and that really opened the door for us into Y Combinator. So it was some serendipity and uh, and a train ride from Virginia. That's what it takes.
2: That's amazing. Well, I wanted to move on because. I- Aside from Reddit and everything, you just have a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the internet. I saw you speak a couple months ago, and you really do just have a lot of good insight. And oh, well thank you. You know, I'm looking forward to at the time of the recording, your book isn't out, but I can't wait to read it. <laughs> and and the book is Without Their Permission, How the Twenty First Century Will Be Made, Not Managed. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. And first to kick it off, kind of where did the title come from? Without their permission, what does that mean?
1: I realized, uh, and I've you know I've done a couple of startups, I've invested in a ton, I've I've done a good bit of nonprofit work. Um, I get to speak on a variety of different topics that all come back to how the internet is changing the world. Uh, and I found that no matter if I was talking to college students or nonprofits or Fortune five hundred CEOs, the the same themes kept emerging, and the common one was that. As the internet continues to to change, and disrupt is the bingo word, but continues to change so many industries, the common reality for all of them is that where there was traditionally gatekeepers, where there was traditionally uh, a certain way of doing things, a status quo, a convention, it is being radically altered. And, And you can start doing stuff without their permission, there being traditional gatekeepers, whether it's entertainment. Whether it's in business, whether it's in philanthropy, and it's it is it is a very liberating thing, and we see it in startups. It, it kind of is a riff off of this idea of permissionless innovation, which is why the internet economy is so vibrant and so successful. Uh, it's because if you have an idea and you want to create the front page of the internet, or you want to create uh, <laughs> you want to create the next Kickstarter, the next Etsy, the next Tumblr, the next Instagram, you really don't have many barriers to entry. You need a credit card. You know, When we started, we needed to actually assemble the servers and install them in a facility. Today, you just need a credit card or an Amazon account, and those initial hosting fees are going to cost less than your cable bill and a computer, an internet connection, and your mind. Uh, now, obviously, the skills to build these websites are not trivial, but when the only cost is time, essentially... That's amazing. That means you're going to see so many new ideas come to the world that otherwise wouldn't have because right if you wanted to if you wanted to change the world during the industrial revolution you had to open a factory and today in the internet revolution you only need to open a laptop. And and that was the that was the idea that I had sort of crystallized and realized, holy shit, this is affecting so much and I want to make sure everyone has this blueprint. Everyone has this sort of motivational kick in the butt because it's not really being taught anywhere officially. And there's going to be a lot of great stuff that I hope will come to fruition that otherwise wouldn't have, because people have always, you know, great ideas, talent has always existed. Um, it just hasn't always been able to reach the world. It hasn't always been able to spread because someone was born at the wrong place, the wrong time, the, the, these sort of really lame excuses for why we as civilization are poorer. And whether that's artists we missed out on, or scientists, or business women—like it doesn't matter. And 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 while the internet is not a magic wand, it can do so much to change this. And and I'm just excited because I want better stuff. Uh, I want <laughs> I want the better poli- I want the better uh, nonprofits. I want better businesses. I want better artists, um, and I want even better politicians. Which is probably the biggest <laughs> stretch, but I think it can happen. <laughs>
2: Well, if everything keeps getting leaked and, you know, then maybe we force them to kind of be honest and upfront and maybe, maybe the internet can change it.
1: I, let me throw this at you. This is a, this is a spoiler for the, I'm I'm hoping to write an op-ed for the Washington Post about this. Um, I was recently talking to some friends um, because we have a mayoral race that will, it'll have been decided by the time this podcast airs, but um, it's kind of a cluster here in New York. And one of the things that we were just kind of riffing about over brunch was like, what? How can we take principles from startups and radical transparency that could be applied to a campaign or even, you know, an office? And one of my favorite ones was uh, there's a company called Stripe, which is doing payment processing. They want to be the easiest way for you to accept credit card payments online. It literally takes minutes, and you can have you can accept credit card payments on your website. We use it on Red Pig. It's amazing. And one of their policies is all of their emails, all of their at-stripe emails are publicly shared. So it's total email transparency within the company. And they found that it's made it much more efficient because they're doing payment processing. Customers love it because they're like, holy shit, a financial services company that believes in transparency and honesty? (laughs) Like, I didn't think those existed. So what if we had a candidate running for office and all of her campaign emails, all those emails were public? Uh, why not? What what an amazing bar that would set for I imagine ninety nine percent of candidates who can never even imagine doing that. Um, I, I really think there is a way to get the government that we deserve, uh, and and I know the internet's going to be a big part of that. Uh, I'm just not sure how exactly, but uh, I mean, that's what I'll get to in the op ed. <laughs> I
0: think I think there would just be more Carlos Danger type email accounts.
1: <laughs> just a, a lot more. Student, they'd have to get more creative with their pseudonyms, right? Yeah. Like obviously. Technology is not going to obliterate corruption. Like, Remember, like right. people are just as capable. You know, People are the ones responsible for doing the awesome things using technology. They're also the ones responsible for doing the shitty things with technology. Um, but it will go a long way towards bringing more sunlight and hopefully more accountability to it, which I think we would all agree uh, would be good.
2: You know, listening to you and also some of the guests we've had recently talk about the power of the Internet, it seems like a theme we've kind of had – and I personally get terrified because John is, I mean, I call him this every episode, but he's a nerd. Like he lives on the internet. He's, he's constantly connected. It's absurd. But those are the type of people for the most part that are changing the world. And that is not me. And so yeah. I was wondering what do you, what's your message to people who aren't, you know, coders who don't love being in front of a computer, love what the internet brings. And, and might not have the the background for it.
1: Well, you know, this is this is going to be a major theme of the college tour. Like right now, there are, I'd say, I can't even quantify it. I know the mayor's office here in New York tried to put a number on the number of tech jobs available here in the city. There is such demand. Every company I work with is hiring developers right now. At a time when this economy is still kind of finding its swagger again, like the tech industry cannot hire enough developers. So here is a huge huge demand. And these are jobs that pay very well with lots of perks working on projects that you think are going to change the world. Like this, these are kind of close to dream jobs. And yet there is still this disparity between supply and demand. Now, here's the other here's here's the real mind job to it. Here is one of probably the most viable skills of this century, I'd argue the most viable skill, and it is also one of the most freely accessible and learnable skills ever. So, whether it's Mark Zuckerberg or whether it was Steve, my Reddit co-founder, you know, uh, they they both had backgrounds in computer science education, but most of what they used to actually build their uh, their their companies was learned freely online. So it was through tutorials. It was because of open source software. It was because of, uh, online communities of people basically saying, Hey, I'm stuck trying to do such and such. Can you help me? Um, that they learned. And it's, it's this conundrum too, because like I said, it's, it's a clearly very valuable skill that is very much in demand. And it is also more freely available than anything else. And you know, there are platforms that exist today that didn't exist seven years ago, like code Academy rails for zombies is a really good tutorial. Uh, it involves well zombies. Um, that that are making learning how to code more and more accessible every day. There are lots of people working to solve this. And I mean, frankly, my advice is that's that's one of the best things you can do. And there's almost no excuse not to at least try. If you have the computer, if you have the internet connection, you literally right now, you could have, and I would have hoped you would have looked up in your browser and started a Code Academy class. (laughs) Like right now, even while I'm talking, just be like, blah, blah, blah. This guy's just talking about Code Academy (laughs) and start learning. And, and not everyone is going to become a Mark Zuckerberg or a Steve Hoffman, fine. But that foundation, those skills are going to be so applicable. to just about anything you want to do. Because as soon as you realize, and, and this is coming from someone who thought he was going to be a developer until he got to college and met Steve. And then realized that kid's going to play in the Olympics one day and I'm probably just going to ride the bench here in college. And I, I took a few more CS classes. But if I could do it all over again, oh, God, I would have, I would have invested so much more. In, in that. I would have taken my own advice, I hope. I know. Uh, because it's just so much more viable. We can actually build something.
2: That's the thing. I, I think, especially, you know, back when we went to school, I mean, not that long ago, but I wasn't looking at the internet as a place to build something. But if you do, it takes kind of that connotation of, oh, you're just sitting around typing in a bunch of weird symbols and something comes out. I mean, it literally is constructing modern Legos. Yeah.
1: Yes, that's exactly. really what it Infinite is. Infinite set of Legos. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, now, I know we're like really coming up on time. Do you have five more minutes or do you got to yeah, run? Totally. Oh, okay. Great. For,
1: for a couple of Dukes, yeah, of course.
2: <laughs> I appreciate it. Awesome.
1: And, and be very clear for our listeners, not – Blue Devils, not ah. people who went to Duke. If you guys had gone to Duke, this thing would have been over. Absolutely, totally right agree on, with right you. on the dot. If we went to Duke, <laughs> I well, I don't even, I
2: don't want to go there.
0: <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you kind of a selfish question because I recently started doing Code Academy, Rails for Zombies, and then the Learn Python the Hard Way. Just trying to figure out which one kind of sticks. But the problem that I have is trying to find. I don't want to say like the free time because the free time exists, but enough time to really dive into it. Um, So I started looking into those like dev boot camps and those type of things. Do you think what, what are your opinion on those? I mean, are those worth people putting out that initial investment and spending those three, four months just diving into coding every single day? Yes. I mean, All if, right. I'm starting, <laughs> starting the next open class.
1: <laughs> I don't want you to quit the podcast though, but I mean,
0: I'll keep the, doing the podcast. I listen, yeah. I'll quit my job or take a leave of absence or something and spend those four months doing it.
1: From, from what I've heard. Uh, and actually, you know, we had Hitmonk grabbed someone who had you know, she had never programmed before and, and came out of dev bootcamp and was, was hireable. That is a very intensive way to do it. And, and it's not cheap. Um, that now, fortunately, As there's more and more competition, those prices will start to fall. But when you consider, yes, it's five figures, but it's near – I mean, it's like I think their acceptance rates for these programs are in the high 90%. Uh, I think there are a lot of people who have some disposable income, who have have some savings uh, that they've accrued over the years and are looking to get into the tech world. I consider it to be an extremely valuable investment because, like I said, it doesn't guarantee you a job, but – in this economy, it's about as close to a guarantee as you can get. And it's an amazing, amazing industry. I'm biased, of course, but uh, it's it's really powerful. And I can't stress it enough. Like, we all have ideas. We all do. And the difference between the ones who have the ideas and the ones who actually execute on them, the ones who are the successful ones who you get to interview on podcasts, is because they have the skills, or in my case, they've ridden on the coattails of people who <laughs> have the skills. Do this stuff, to actually build it. Because at the end of the day, nothing matters when it comes to an idea, when you're just talking, when it's just words and like gyrating hands, like that doesn't matter. Like if you build something that actually has users that you can actually learn from and iterate on, uh, that, that is when it actually starts working and, and magic starts happening. So please, 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 if you have, if you have the money, I think it is very, very worthwhile. Uh, and even if you, if you don't, there is more discipline involved but when you consider – and look, dude, I've, I play this – I say this all the time too. I'm like, I am just so busy. And then I remember and I catch myself and I feel like – I feel honest when I say I am so effing busy. I have no time for this stuff. But then I catch myself watching uh, Breaking Bad and I catch myself watching uh, Orange is the New Black.
2: <laughs> Such a good show, by the way. <laughs> great shows.
1: Great shows. And and I still feel like you know if I'm going to have my guilty pleasure, at least it's going to be high-quality television. Yep. But uh, but still, there are. We all have times when I'm just, when I sleep an extra hour because I just don't want to get out of bed, or when I'm like playing with my cat for 30 minutes. Like, <laughs> I mean, I still probably will always do that. But like, we we all have decisions that we make, and we all are too busy. We all have too much stuff going on. Okay, but it's the decision between curbing the the stuff that is pretty much everything else, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and devoting at least some of that time to learning this skill. And again, it is not trivial, but the cost benefit on it is absurdly high. That's
0: That's all I needed to hear, man.
2: Yeah, that's the light bulb. So we can say in 10 years, because I'm riding John's coattails with the tech thing. So in 10 years, we could say, we talked to the co-founder of Reddit, (laughs) Alexis, and that was the start of our business. So
1: great. Well, that's, and that is, I'll tell you, I, I joke about it in the book, but it's true. I want people to tweet at me or email me when they do find the great success that I hopefully could have played some small role in and tell me so that I can take all the credit. Yes. All of it <laughs> and is. I will gloat about that until the day I die.
0: <laughs> well, we will be sure to do that if it ever comes. Or at least Excellent. an episode of uh, Small Empires, you know? Yeah.
1: Yes, I will do you know the the first season has gone really really well. And uh, we're already talking, I don't want to jinx it, we're already talking about different seasons as well as different locations.
0: Oh, that'll be cool. So,
1: uh, I mean, I love New York, but um, there are small empires all over the world, and uh, I'm looking forward to traveling.
2: Well, Alexis, about ready to let you go. I know you have 10 companies to run. I have have, uh, the fire round. Three quick questions can be answered in, you know, 20 seconds.
1: All right, bring it on.
2: So what was the last great book that you read?
1: Oh, yeah. I know it's not man. easy. Uh, the last great book that I read, you what know, the this signal and the noise mm. um, by Nate Silver is it is. And I love nonfiction. So you're not going to get a lot of fiction out of me, um, unfortunately. But uh, but that was a book that was a book that challenged me because yeah, I took a few stats classes. And Nate, Nate actually does a very good job keeping it like accessible for people like me. Uh, I, I took a couple of stats classes in college, but it really is – and what 538 and specifically Nate have done for data – wait, I'm doing a shitty job on this 30-second thing. Anyway, <laughs> signal the noise by Nate Silver. It's, it's, it, is, it is so important uh, because I really believe data-driven journalism – is the future? At least I want it to be.
2: John loves Nate Silver, by the way. I do too, but um, that's neither here nor there. <laughs>
1: Nerds,
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is the best advice you have for the intellectually curious?
1: <sighs> yeah, geez, uh, the the <laughs> uh, the internet is awesome and full of things to stimulate your intellectual curiosity. Uh, I mean, that's uh, yeah, right under thirty seconds. That's it. I mean the. Right. It's the world's greatest library and stage in one. And that is amazing. So go do stuff on it.
2: Perfect. And what app, tool or process are you using these days that is making your life better?
1: Probably Evernote. And I should disclose that I'm an investor. But, uh, <laughs> I love me some Evernote. Uh, it's, it's the note taking apps used to be one of those jokes for like, oh, what app are you working on? Oh, note taking app. Like, good luck with that. Uh, and, and they managed to actually make it amazing. Um, so, yeah, that saves that saves my butt on a daily basis.
0: Nice. All right. My fourth and final question John here. John just made this up. Yeah. Do you need a personal assistant or intern? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's just He's just fishing now. Uh, this just became a
1: job application.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we tricked you. That was I the whole had, show. had to throw it in. No, done. I,
1: I actually – so, true story. The um, I had a summer intern who is now my tour manager. This guy – Richie, uh, he, I, I met him once and I was like, you know what? I like you kid. Let's, let's, let's make this happen. I'm going to give wow. you a ton of responsibility. And I need to plan a hundred stop book tour all over the country. And he's done a phenomenal job. So I, and I also want to stress probably the most important part of that, uh, is pay your interns. He was also a paid intern. Nice. And I think that unpaid interns are, uh, I mean, I like think they are technically criminal, um, uh, but even figuratively speaking, uh, it's pretty effed up. Completely so completely agree. Die.
2: All right, Alexis, well, you have been extremely generous with your time. We're going to let you go. Your book, Without Their Permission, How the 21st Century Will Be Made, Not Managed, can't wait for that to come out. Where would you like our people to go read about you, find out about you, connect with you, because there are a million places?
1: You know, the most direct way is on the Twitters. Um, Don't let my ethnic name scare you. It's just Alexis Ohanian. Uh, you can hit me at Twitter. Um, that's, that's the best way to reach out and say hello. Um, and I hope you do, uh, whether you've heard the podcast and like what I have to say or hate what I have to say. Uh, and then hopefully if you read the book and <laughs> love it or hate it, let me know.
2: Yeah. And we'll be sure to put a link to the book. Really excited for that coming out. And again, thanks so much. Best of luck with change in the world. Really, uh, looking forward to what comes next.
1: Oh, well, thank you. And seriously, guys, Whatever the thing is, when you get when you when you're there accepting the Nobel Peace Prize, yep. I want my shout out so that I can take credit for it. You'll get it. Don't worry. It's <laughs> done.
2: Excellent. All right. Thanks, Alexis. Thank you. All righty. Bye bye. See you.
0: Welcome back, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Alexis. Obviously, I did. I mean, I guess I do have to ask kind of a selfish question. Would you mind? if I participated on the podcast from Skype while I'm off at Dev Bootcamp, because that needs to happen.
2: No, and I, I gotta say that I think this new structure of us shortening the intro and then maybe making the outro longer, is like if you want to stick around, stick around, right? It's pretty yeah, cool. why not? If you just want to hit stop and delete, you can do that too. And move on to the next one. But no, honestly, man, I've been saying this forever, you need to go do that, and for selfish reasons, from my own perspective, then I can take all my crazy ideas and say, hey, Roach, figure figure out how to do this. this. Because (laughs) like we said, as soon as we got done interviewing Alexis, we've known each other for so long, we've come up with ideas – a bunch of which I think could have worked, but we don't necessarily... I mean, we have minimal tools, but we need maximum tools.
0: Yeah, they're on paper, and that's as far as they get. It's so like, get them do you want to Internet. see some cool drawings and some cool concepts of things? I don't know. We're no, putting it out to there that. to
2: tens of thousands of people, and so you can't back out now. Oh, my God. I have so many accountability buddies. Yeah, accountability buddies. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that. As I mentioned, smartpeoplepodcast.com. Go check out the site. You can look at you know past episodes, blog posts, all that good stuff. Connect with us. We love hearing from you. We really love getting your feedback and trying to make the show better. I mean, that's what we're out to do. As Alexis said, try to make the world suck less. Hopefully, we are doing that.
0: Yeah, email us, tweet at us. If you're on Facebook, you can message us on there. We respond. We'll respond to every single person that reaches out. Personally, I love getting messages from people. You know what would be really cool, actually? Let's have everybody tweet at Alexis
2: Ohanian. So his last name is Ohanian, O-H-A-N-I-A-N. And say, loved what you had to say on at Smart People Pod. Maybe he'll
0: think we did something. Yeah, hire John as your intern. Everybody tweet I him that. freaking believe you asked him that. Dude, I'm he not going to give up on that. Did you hear his story about how he said to, I guess it was Dr. Graham at the time, and he said, sir, I'd like to sit down and have coffee with you. And that's how he got into Y Combinator. Yeah, but So this, now he's going to remember. We
2: said, you know, <laughs> we're going to talk to you and talk about your amazing new book, Without Their Permission, How the 21st Century Will Be Made, Not Managed. And next thing you know, John's asking
0: for a job. Just, you know— just a, a a dollar an hour if he wants to make it a paid internship i'll do it for a dollar oh an hour oh my gosh all it's
2: right
0: like guys a an hour. we're going to let you go we're just pumped because alexis
2: was badass yeah, i'm a little excited looking forward to connecting with you next week talk to you then